Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another edition of the Better Together podcast. I am your co-host, Rosario Picardo. And I'm Callie Picardo. And today we have our dear friend uh, and mentor and um, wise counsel and (laughs) warrior, Dr. Pete Bellini, with us today. He's back on the podcast again and is going to be doing a little three-part series with us on spiritual warfare. Pete, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here and good to see you all. And we have an interesting topic ahead of us, don't we? We do. Yeah. And so this is going to be a series um, that we're introducing spiritual warfare to our listeners. And we thought there would be no one better than you to address the topic. And we wanted to break it down and start with, you know, what is evil. But um, maybe prior to answering that question, Give us a background. How did you get into all this craziness? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's real, but it's crazy. Not something right. that really talks about. Yeah. And here you are, a professor at United Theological Seminary, which are we allowed to talk about those things in seminary? Right. right. They're kind of, they seem to be uh, somewhat extreme. We think of these things as extreme, especially with some of the language. Like if we talk about... Uh, the devil or demonization or being possessed. And then the, the X word exorcism, uh, these, they kind of seems over the top. This is, uh, this is taking your Christianity a little too far kind of thing. Some people may think, or, uh, it may seem to have an air of fanaticism or to be fanatical. Um, and you know, you asked how I got into this kind of thing. Um, you, it isn't just something that you decide one day that, you know, there's so many interesting subjects. I think I want to get to know the devil better. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, don't think want to know the devil. I want the devil right. to go away. Why do I want to right. know about the devil? Right. Right. So I don't think it's something that you, you know, you pencil in your calendar that I'm going to get to know the devil better and call him up and have a conversation, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, I wasn't looking for it. I was a, a new uh, Christian and, and, and just born again. And uh, of course, it's been a long time ago. And uh, I did campus ministry um, at Ohio State, the Ohio State University. I was a field preacher, preached outdoors. And some of my encounters there uh, with students is what brought me into some of this. Now, when I got converted and uh I, it was really radical. I, I was a, I was a self-pronounced uh, atheist, self-avowed atheist, and one living for God, of course, as an atheist. And um, when I got converted to the Lord, it was kind of supernatural. I had some, God gave me some revelations that really convicted me, and that's where I gave my life to the Lord. And in one of those revelations, he showed me that Satan was real and that, you know, I dismissed God and dismissed even that the devil was using me in my life and taking me down the wrong path. And that was an eye opener to the devil even existed because as an atheist, I thought that was all a bunch of fairy tales, you know, some guy with a pitchfork and 
horns running around poking people and sending people to the grand barbecue in, in the pit the grand eternal barbecue in the, in the pit uh, in hell. I didn't believe any of that. So when God, when I got converted, I started to realize evil's real, the devil's real. And then I'd see it in the Bible, of course. But there's a lot of different perspectives one could take on the Bible. Is that literal? Is it metaphorical when it talks about evil? So when I was a preacher on campus, as I said, I encountered students that were in the occult, um, into witchcraft and Satanism, and uh, I had some very direct encounters. In fact, they felt threatened by our preaching. And um, it wasn't uh, rare that my life would be threatened by them. They would threaten uh, to curse me or to pray black masses for my death. Um, that was stuff that happened. And so I was uh, in, a, in a place where it was like, you know, I wasn't looking for the fight, but it was like the fight came to me. And I'm from a neighborhood. It's a kind of a rough neighborhood. You don't look for fights, but if someone look, throws a punch at you or whatever, you don't back down either. So kind of if the fight picked me, if you will. And um, I share some stories in my book about uh, some of those encounters with some of these witches who were, were pretty wild, pretty wild stuff, pretty wild encounters, uh, they, you know. Maybe one of the episodes we can get into them if you want, but that's how I got started into it, recognizing that this evil and and demonic powers were were real. It wasn't something fictitious or fantastical or out of a comic book or whatnot. But uh, God opened my eyes up to what Scripture shows us that there's a spiritual world out there. It's invisible, and that's why a lot of times we doubt its credibility. But it's very real, and it works and, and, and interacts with this world, just like God interacts with this world. And now, of course, in a different sense, he interacts with it for good. But the whole spiritual realm interacting with our world, uh, people know that God interacts with this world. They'll even believe that maybe angels interact with this world. So that's you know the good side. The angels interact with this world. Um, scripture shows us that. But then also, the, the on, you know, on the... Unfortunately, on the other side, the dark side, the demonic does uh, too. The demonic does as well. And so I had to learn how to fight spiritually. I'm a, a little, I box on the side, a little bit of a fighter here and there. So I had to learn how to fight spiritually to f- protect myself against temptation like you all do. And sometimes if there's more extreme sort of manifestations of evil to be able to protect myself or help others, which is what I do. It's a ministry or to help other people. So that's kind of how I got started in it briefly. Now, Pete, there are so many movies that take on (laughs) good and evil. In fact, there are even horror movies that play into some of that, which I can't stand, but someone else that I'm sitting next to who shall remain nameless maybe enjoys some of those. And you know, <laughs> are they just are they just make believe? Is there any truth in them? I mean, are they are there some that kind of have grounds that are biblically based? I mean, right, right. I think that's often what you mentioned movies. That's often the public's easy access, if you will, to the concept of evil. The concept of uh, you know preternatural, supernatural beings, the you know the demonic, that kind of thing. I think that's often how this how society accesses 
this sort of thing is through these uh, is through movies. So, like for example, you could think about evil. We can go back to uh, one of the you know probably the, one of the greatest series of movies ever made, the whole Star Wars series, for example. And so you get like the you know the whole the the, the dualism of good against evil, right? And the, the good in this sense and evil are not necessarily personified like we would have in Christianity of God. And then you have demonic beings, this is more of a personification. Uh, it's it's a force, right? So you have the force of good and then the force of evil. And the, that force of evil, the dark side, works uh, can work through. One can harness the dark side, if you will. One can harness, you know, the, uh, the good. And, you know, uh, God's not a force and the demonic spirits aren't a force per se, but they have they do have force. So it seems like in some of those movies, you know, you see that the good can inspire Obi-Wan Kenobi, can inspire Luke, and uh, the evil can uh, inhabit uh, Darth Vader and the dark. He could, he could take advantage of the dark force because of maybe brokenness in his life or whatever and allows that stuff to come in. So, you know, it's loose there, but, you know, some of that loose parallels. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. like yeah, I mean, we, transformation, you know. Right, right, right. So, like with the evil, yeah, you don't get into these things overnight, and you don't usually get out of them overnight either. But you know, you have those depictions, and then a lot of the other genre you mentioned are the horror movies. The horror movies kind of take they're one sided, aren't they? You, you just only see the evil. You don't see you know the good a whole lot. Maybe there's one character that's the survivor at the end. That's kind of like the. Not necessarily the good, the good figure. They don't. I don't know how to say. They don't represent the good. They just are able to survive on gut instincts and and get away or whatever. But usually, it's just evil. You see, you see Jason. You see um, Freddy Krueger or whomever the, the yeah. All the different figures are, and they're kind of. Uh, uh, they've had, they may have had some mysterious bad past or whatever, and it's it maybe has messed them up. And they have this kind of supernatural dimension to them because they don't die readily. They keep coming back, if you will. And so there's that kind of aspect of the evil that they that they kind of seem to to harness. And people like to be scared and be made afraid. Uh, so they watch these movies. And again, I think it's just the imbalance because what you just get is evil. You don't get good. And evil's often stronger than good. So like in the Exorcism movie, the original one is the one I saw. I never saw the one after. The one I saw was the 1972 uh, one with, um, what's her face, Linda Blair. And in that one, the priest doesn't, he, you have the good there, but he doesn't have the power. Yeah. To exorcise the evil out of the girl. Like he's, he's doing the right thing, right? With the ritual and saying the movie yeah the movie's just not depicting god as greater the 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 exorcist is funny he's a boxer too on the side he has to invite the demon to leave her and come into him and then he jumps out the window and kills himself well that's not how you do deliverance and that's not accurate the other way around god's actually the one that's the, the the almighty the all-powerful and the devil is fearful of god and god has victory over satan they're not even two equal powers like in star wars fighting the good against the evil who's going to win we got god he's locked in uh, eternal combat with the devil you know who's going to win who's going to win oh, it looks like the devil's winning it looks like god's winning you know like some a fighter of uh, between two equal powers that's not the case 
God already defeated Satan on two accounts. One, he kicked him out of heaven, and he didn't even have to do it personally. Michael and his angels kicked the devil out of heaven. So the devil lost in that arena, and then he fell to the earth, and Jesus on the cross defeated him in the earth, in this world. And then eventually he'll be sentenced to hell. So he's already defeated, and it's not some big eternal battle. The battle really is between the devil and us for our souls. Will we follow God and allow God to give us the victory through Jesus Christ? So you don't catch that in the movies at all. You don't see, of course, any of that. But the stuff that they show, you know, in the first exorcist with Linda Blair and all of the weird manifestations, that stuff, you know, I know it's do it's doctored up Hollywood and it's pea soup coming out of her mouth or whatever is real. I mean, in the sense of that happens, you see that crazy stuff. That is not far-fetched. I don't give glory to it. I don't like to draw graphic pictures too much of it because I like to give God glory and not focus on, on evil. So you have that depiction, which you mentioned in the horror movies. And then you have the depiction, I think it's popular for people to access in the movies, is like uh, the Marvel comics, uh, the Marvel uh, Marvel Universe, which we all enjoy watching. Because then you do get some good, and the good usually wins. And we're attracted to these kind of, both sides, we're attracted to, to the evil characters in a sense. And we can maybe talk about that in a little bit, the, uh, the culture's desire for the anti-hero. Yeah. So you got that, you got that attraction. And then of course, in the, and we do want to see the, the good guys win. And we'd like to see the Avengers come and, you know, use their, their powers to defeat Thanos. Um, so we see evil kind of, you know, it's caricatured and almost, you know, allegorical or personified in these figures and good beats evil. It's the common melodrama that, that we see. But what I do like is, and this is probably uh a whole other topic for another discussion that the powers that you sometimes see that the superheroes use that looks like supernatural power sometimes is very reminiscent of, for me, the power we have in Christ, the authority we have in Christ over evil. And what so are like, like what are some of those powers that you see, like that really, or showcase that? <sighs> Well, I mean, just it, their power's not of this world. So you got someone like a Thor who has this hammer. He's able to fly. He's able to control the 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 the, 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 the climate, the atmosphere. He could release thunderbolts and that kind of thing and lightning. And, uh, you know, you have a, an Iron Man who has this invincible armor, this impenetrable armor, and he's able to fly and has these repulsor rays coming out of his hands and all of that. So they have all of these powers that often remind me of maybe what happens in the spirit realm when we begin to pray and God shakes the heavens and, and, and releases the kind of power that you can only imagine and when you see it in the comic book, maybe it looks something like that, that when I say in Jesus name, something happens, maybe it's like a repulsor ray or like Thor striking his hammer. You know, it, it almost reminds me of that kind of, uh, of supernatural encounter when we, we, we combat, you know, the devil. And I'm not saying I have those, but I don't have any power. Jesus has power. But when we use his name and we have the power of the Holy Spirit, Using your imagination, it seems like there's, you know, analogies can be made. And, of course, I love the Marvel characters. Um, I read comic books from when I was a kid. That Marvel was always big, and they were the first into showing the humanity 
of the superheroes. I'm talking back in the 60s and 70s, they had dealt with very controversial issues and they showed the struggles that these heroes had when they weren't in their hero costume. You know, some of their battles they had, you know, Peter Parker as a teenager in in, in, in school, uh, Iron Man, you know, who was a, a munitions maker and during the Vietnam War and how he got captured by the North Vietnamese and made the, uh, the armor suit. But then later and he, but he and he got blown up by a booby trap. That's why he created the uh, the the armor in a minefield to keep his heart alive. Well, here's a guy that's got a heart condition. Later, he becomes an alcoholic. It was the first time in a comic book they ever dealt with alcoholism in a comic book. And so you're reading this as a kid. And you go, look, Tony Stark, Iron Man, he's an alcoholic. He's struggling with alcohol. He's got all this money. He's got all this power. You know, he's got issues. He's got heart issues. He's, you know, he's drinking. It shows the humanity and inner conflict. They're not these just invincible heroes that could do anything like you see in uh, maybe like in DC with Superman. And I guess I'm talking inside comics now, but point being, I like that. There's a lot of uh, similarity there between some of the struggles, the real people that we go through. And even though we have the power of Christ, we're earthen vessels. We're temptable. We, we, we get weak, we get tired, we get confused. We could fall, you know, we're surely vulnerable and full of mistakes and that kind of thing. So I, I like the, the the limitations put on the characters because we could relate to them. But anyways, I think those are, to sum up what we're talking about, those are some of the accesses and pop, at a popular level that people have to talking about and thinking about evil is like horror movies, like you said, uh, you know, movies like the Star Wars series or some of this Marvel Universe stuff. Talk to us a little bit about the anti-hero. Like, I mean, I love that, that you see often in a lot of these movies that the characters that have some evil, there's some good in there too. Right. Like the right. evil didn't start from nowhere. It came from something. I mean, well, is, yes. Is, is that got a little biblical basis as well, perhaps? Well, I think it's just human nature. And and I and I think of course the Bible does try to capture our human nature in that eternal civil war conflict we have between good and evil, you know, Romans seven, the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing the things I don't want to do, I do the things I do, I don't want to do, that kind of thing. Um, it, this captures the true state of the human nature, and in philosophy and in literature, it's it, it's a part of what's called existentialism. And in existentialism, the philosophy of existentialism, when it was often put to page in forms of novels, like novels by Sartre, Camus, or Beckett, always captured they had an anti-hero instead of a hero. And the anti-hero was someone who was gravely humanly flawed. He wasn't your knight in shining armor. This was someone who uh, was was very flawed, sometimes almost a grotesque caricature of evil. But yet it was you could relate to this person because it's almost like inside of each one of us is the possibility of this metamorphosis, like in Kafka's metamorphosis uh, novel, where the protagonist wakes up in the morning and sees himself turning into a bug, a roach, a bug, you know, so that there's this inner nature that we have that's bestial that we're wrestling and fighting with. It's archetypal. This is a, a battle that's been going on in humanity from the beginning since the fall. And so what's attractive about the anti-hero is, you know, we get tired of seeing the hero. In the 1980s, we saw a lot of the, you know, we saw the hero, you know, the Rocky figure. He's always, you know, good against evil. He beats evil all the time. He beats the Russian, et cetera. 
But sometimes we need what comes in the 90s in film, which Rosario and I are very fond of, is uh, the Sopranos. Tony Soprano becomes this anti-hero figure that we're like, why are we so attracted to him? Why are we so interested in his life? Why do we relate to him? Why are we rooting for him? He's a killer. He's a mob boss. He's a killer. He's corrupt. He's an adulterer. He's a liar, et cetera. Why Why are we pulling for this guy? Well, in some weird ways that the movies are psychologically penetrating and they started getting hold of what um, uh, Jung calls our shadow side that we all have. And it starts playing on that. And we're pulling for him like we're pulling for ourselves because we don't want to turn out being you know, totally to our dark side. We want to see this thing turn. We want to see the tragedy become, you know, the the great comedy at the end where everything turns out well. And so we find ourselves rooting for an, an anti-hero like uh, Tony Soprano, who I think starts us off on that anti-hero, you know, uh, trajectory and then the Deadpools and the various other figures that you get in... Uh, Got Saints and... Yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, and I'm, I don't watch a lot of movies, so I don't know a lot of them, but there, there, there's more and more of them. But I think that's why we pull for them, not because we're pulling for evil per se, but we under we, we relate, we empathize because it's me. The art reflects life. It's imitating life. It's a mirror. It's silly as it is. I saw it in professional wrestling because Hulk Hogan, you know, he blonde hair, muscles, uh, right. supporting the American flag. Right, right, right. They had to make a shift in the he he wasn't getting as many cheers, and so mm. that's when like he did in the eighties though, right? Because like the eighties that was cool to do that. Yeah, and then the attitude era emerged where Stone Cold is you know giving people the finger and drinking beer in the ring and you know kind of all that, and so Hogan does the unthinkable. He becomes the ultimate. He went from the ultimate good guy to the ultimate bad guy. And people ate it up. So we see that also um, with Cobra Kai, you know, Donnie Lawrence, Karate Kids, you know, movies is the the ultimate evil person. And yet you you see his humanity and the inner conflict in his life. They're blurred. The lines are blurred. The characters get blurred. They switch roles, don't they? they? The plots twist constantly. What you thought was evil had a streak of good in it. That what you thought was a pure category of good, you know, had evil in it. And the, the, the plots twisted. You really don't know who's ultimately good, who's ultimately evil. Where's it going? And it and it shows that there's this inner conflict maybe in all of us. It gives me some hope because, you know, in this world we see evil and you know, if we believe that God is greater than all of it, with any human, there is the possibility that God can get a hold of their heart and the right. sinner be- can have a transformation and become a saint. Because uh, right. that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes. fact, this has been neat looking into uh, some of the evil, especially what we see in the world around us. Friends, um, we're going to, this is part of a series. So we're going to get into in the next one a little more about just the spiritual warfare side. How, how do we actually combat the world around us? So I hope this has been fun for you, our listeners. And I hope you'll join us next week as we dive further into this series with Dr. Pete Bellini looking at spiritual warfare. Pete, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.